Hello, everyone, and welcome to Monster Hour. I am Quinn, your Keeper of Monster and Mysteries. With me today are Kyle. Hi, I'm Kyle. I play Alvin Hughes, the Monstrous. Tio. Hi, I'm Tio. I play Constance Rodescu, the Expert. And Hannah. Hi, I'm Hannah, and I play JR the Crooked. So we're going to pick up away from the studio where all of the mayhem with Agent Pax and JR's daring bathrobe escape are taking place <laughs> to Alvin. Hello. <laughs> Alvin, you mentioned you were out on your, your bicycle doing a little gig work, trying to yeah. make some cash. Yeah, out on my rounds. How's it going? It's going okay. I think it's probably about an average. I mean, it's what uh, springtime now or late winter? Late winter. Okay, it's pretty cold out. I think maybe it, maybe business is doing well, considering people are staying home because it's Colorado and winter. And you got that nice coat of fur, so you don't have to worry about got it. That nice coat of fur. Around. I got some good tread on my wheels. So you're making some cash, and I think as you wrap up your day, you have enough to purchase that new phone you were looking for after the last one met an untimely end. Ah, oh, excellent. As a conduit for the Earth Spider. Mm-hmm. So you, you head to your phone purchasing location of choice. <laughs> the phone um, store. You head to the phone store, and you pick one up and sort of get everything loaded up. You've got a handful of messages, several from, I think you and Constance and JR probably have a group text thread that maybe got a little activity. Mm -hmm. You have one from Leon that is a response to the many calls and texts that <laughs> he received saying, you know, really sorry, happy to meet up, had to be radio silent during the, the stakeout. But one message in particular catches your eye. It is from Sarah, and there's no text to it. All it is is a note saying that she has shared her location with you. Hmm. Yeah, pop that map app. You open it up, and it shows her to be deep within the moonscape. Ugh. Nothing good ever happens out there. What do you do? I think Alvin gets on his bike, takes off to the moonscape, and shares his location with Leon. You cycle your way out to the moonscape. It's getting late now. I think you probably finished up in the afternoon, so it's dark by the time that you arrive. The Badlands are as impressive, but far more ominous at night. Mm-hmm. You can just see the dark silhouetted shadows of the tall cairns and strange rock formations sprawling out into the distance until they all become one single shade of inky darkness. What do you do? I think I'm a pretty familiar with the layout of the moonscape, considering it's kind of like my spooky second home now. So he parks the bike, takes out the phone, checks the Sarah's location again, he doesn't really have a flashlight. He just takes off on foot. I don't think you need to roll for this because you have her location. Mm -hmm. And so it's just a matter of time as you make your way out into the darkness before you arrive at the spot. And you can see a small silver iPhone laying in the dirt on the ground. Uh-oh. Oh, shit. Uh, pick it up. Anything on the screen? I think it's set to uh, a password. Hmm. I don't know if Alvin knows that. Probably not. Knows what his sister's password is. Probably not. Uh, can I look around? Can I investigate this this area? Any other sure. tracks? Any sign of a struggle? Any Why don't you creepy, give me a roll to investigate a mystery? Men? Okay. If you're using your shape-shifting ability in some way, you can take a mm -hmm. plus one. Yeah, um, I mean, her scent's probably on the phone. I can try to follow that, see if I pick up pick up a scent somewhere. Yeah. Oh, God, it's a five. No. I think you wolf out, but you are more anxious than you expected. And as you coyote up, your hand shifts as well, and the phone snaps in two pieces. No, 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 no. Uh, I yell out, Sarah! Nothing answers you, but the sound of your own call echoing back to you amidst the canyon walls. 
I pull out my phone, my brand new life-saving phone, and I'm going to call JR. Okay. Uh, hello? Hello? It's Alvin. Hey, Alvin, what's going on? I need a hand. I need, I need help. Where are you? I'm out right now. I is, are you at Constance's? Yeah, I can meet you. Where are you? Is she there too? Yeah, yeah. Constance is here. What's going on, Alvin? You say I'm worried. Stay there. I'm I'm coming over. All right. We'll see you then. Uh, Constance, put on coffee or I don't know something that normal people do when their friends are upset. I would steal something. But I don't have enough time. <laughs> you know, I'd make coffee, but and I gesture to, you know, the state of my apartment. That's just not a possibility right now. We cut a half an hour ahead, Alvin. You mm-hmm. make your way back to the studio. We have poured a pitcher of water. <laughs> yes, that's what we have done. It's the finest tap water. <laughs> Um, he has kind of been just in a one mind, just like running through conversations in his head the whole ride. And he just rides up, lets the bike fall, trots up the stairs and opens the door. Alvin, what's going on? Hey, we got to talk. Yeah. So, so we've been fighting a lot of monsters that have kind of come out of nowhere here in firmament, right? Yeah. It probably hasn't escaped your notice that I have a bit of a, you know, he gestures at his, his face and general fur. Yeah, we, you're we a know. Coyote you coyote boy. up. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're a fur boy. So that's not normal either. No. I feel like we're nowhere sure. closer to figuring out the root cause of any of it. And I'm fairly, yeah. s- I have a hunch mm-hmm. that these aren't separate, isolated monster-like coincidences. Yeah, I think you're probably right. So, good news, bad news. Mm -hmm. The good news is I might have a lead on some very useful information from a rather spooky source. Bad news is they want something in return? Mm -hmm. Well, it's related to this... And Alvin holds out his hand with the circle on it. Oh. Didn't you say you burned yourself? Yeah, that's kind of true. Uh Uh-huh. The circle is a vibrant, lurid crimson. That looks infected. That's bad. Okay, so worse news. That's worse than before. Um, I was going to try to do this on my own, but I think... One of the biggest things I've learned from, you know, the last nine months or so with you two is you can't really do things on your own. You need help. You need friends. So I'm asking for help in sorting this out. It has come to a head. I don't know how I can get out of it. And he has Sarah. Okay. Or it has Sarah. What? Or they have Sarah. What are you supposed to do? What What did you? What do you have to do for them? More bad news. Jr. Stony's not the only one who's rather keen on your key. Huh. Now I'm not saying we. You have to give it up. I'm just saying that that seems to be the one thing that they want. Well, they're also not alone in that. Mm-hmm. There's a... Anyway, we'll fill you in on that later. Not as important. What happened? We, Nothing. We've got, hey, what's... We, there's, there are more people. Nothing. We, nothing. I, nothing happened. There it's is fine. law enforcement fine. interested in the key that JR stole. But I lean and peek through the door and be like, I did toilet move? <laughs> no real quick question this is a safe space no one's going to be judgy but um just want to know because they have sarah would they happen to be the person that you stole the key from jr should we be worried about the person you stole the key from would they have done this yeah i'll describe who i talked to and you could see if it okay. lines up 
Yeah. So I talked to a spooky, like, tall man, had arms that would go real long. Yeah, that's not... Kind of talked about, kind of talked about, like, being really, really old, like, older than, older than old. No, no. No. And here's the thing, I didn't... Look, 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 look. If we're going to get technical about this... I didn't steal it from anybody. The key was given to me as part of a job. It was how I was going to get in and out. Whoever gave it to me, they stole it from somebody else. I didn't steal it. Uh, I mean, I kept it, but, like, I was given the key. Okay. Okay. I was told it was high tech. I was told there was some Mm. kind of chip in it that would help me unlock things. Obviously, that's not true. But, no, I I didn't take this from anybody. And uh, you know me, I like bragging about things that I steal. This is <laughs> for sure. Them. This is true. This is very true. I only bring it up because whoever this is or or it is, Alvin, they have to have known about the key. And uh, I imagine the original owner knows about the key. And uh, I mean, I don't know, JR, how many other people do you think know about the key? Oh, there's a handful of us in the crew. And I never saw those folks before and I hadn't seen them since. Look, Alvin... I don't want to give up this key, but if it's the key or Sarah, if that's the choice we have to make, I would like this to be the last option, but if that's what they want, and that's the only way to get Sarah back, they can have the key. I mean, that's that's very generous. I don't know if we want to... Do you think, with your time with the key, do you think it might be reproducible in any way? I don't know. I don't know enough about this. I don't know enough about what I can do. I don't know anything about it except for, you know, it seems to interact with some of the stuff that we've recovered. And I don't know who I'd talk to. And frankly, I also would really prefer this to not fall into anybody else's hands. That's a big risk. But again, if that's the choice, I don't like it. But she's family. Thank you, JR. I'm actually not surprised by that choice from you, but I hate to be the one to, to say this here, but I'm pretty sure in these kind of situations, someone who's willing to, to kidnap someone like Sarah, who's not in any way involved in any of this. Yeah. I, I don't think that, yeah. I don't think that giving them the key is actually going to do anything. It's not going to get her back. I think I uh, don't know. we need to go into this with the key as bait. But that's not how we're going to get her back. I mean, we don't want this key going into the wrong hands. And I mean, I'll, I'll say it with my limited interactions with this being, it seems like it is the wrongest hands. Yeah. Yeah. From where I stand. I mean, Constance, you've got all these tools and equipment here to replicate all manner of things and like create any sorts of weapons and devices. And, and JR, you've got some well of magical ability you've imbued things like that flashlight with magic before how about the way i see it this being wants a key a magical key that opens things opens locks or at least as much as we know about the key it wants that we can provide a key that does all those things that it needs to do without this being getting its hands on the actual key mm-hmm who knows what sort of apocalyptic Armageddon that might bring on. But yeah. we got to do something. We can't just... We have to get Sarah back. I mean, I've got a lot of tools here, and I've been working with Stan, so I feel like creating the physical representation of the key is in my wheelhouse. I obviously look to you, JR, about the harder part about this. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I'm just kind of making this up as I go. I can try. Sometimes things don't go very well, but I'm certainly willing to try. But maybe with some time and planning mm-hmm. and planning. Yeah. Ooh, planning. Yes. Things, and planning. Yeah. Things, yeah. things planning. maybe it could go a bit different. The dangerous word. Which we're super good at. <laughs> we're so good at that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be super good. Uh, Quinn, would so, this be like a big magic thing, maybe? You took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So this sort of plan of yours to create a replica is going to be big magic. Okay. For this, big magic often has more substantive requirements and necessities than just regular, everyday, ordinary use magic. Just regular and magic. in this mm-hmm. case... Ordinary, everyday magic. <laughs> regular <laughs> magic. Um, in this case, I'm going to say it has the following requirements. The first is that you're going to need to spend a lot of time researching the magic ritual. Uh, you are going to uh, need rare and weird ingredients and supplies. You're going to need to use magic as part of the ritual, and it will have a specific side effect or danger. Oh boy, <laughs> okay, that's that's a lot of effects that you're getting, okay. Hmm. So practically speaking, Constance, you're gonna have to spend some time studying magical objects to get a sense for how this would even work. Mm-hmm then you and JR would need to work to actually create the replica, which is where the other parts come in, the weird supplies and using magic. The specific side effect or danger here is that you're basically trying to build an airplane based on a Da Vinci sketch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there won't be any way for you to know if you have made a convincing enough lookalike until you give it to the tall man. Yeah. Yeah mechanically how that's going to work is that i'm not going to have you roll until alvin hands over the key oof okay oh my god (laughs) christ so think of this as a a potentially just 10 second hot potato that could explode (laughs) so i'm glad glad i've got a good important job (laughs) so if you want to go through with this plan the first thing that needs to happen is that constance needs to do some research Ah, that is in my comfort zone. So go ahead and give me an investigate a mystery and take the plus one for using your lore library. Excellent. As you start digging through the tomes from your boonie. Well, that's a nice even 12. Woo! Okay. That's right. So go ahead and hold two. I think I'm going to, because this isn't sort of monster specific, I'm going to do what I've done in the past, which is just ask two questions freeform. Okay, so how do you craft a magic item? So you're digging through your library. At this point, you know most of the books in there, and it takes you some time, actually. You find a book that isn't even a book at all. The binding is there, but it's actually serving more as a file folder. And you can see there's just scraps of paper tucked in there, and they're labeled with notes from your boonie. And at the very front, written in the interior binding, is a handwritten title that just simply states Apocrypha. (laughs) Okay. And in there, you find a few pages that appear to be part of a larger tome on magical items. This is what they say. No object is inherently magical. Objects may serve as vessels for magical power, but that power is always imbued by another entity. Not just any item may serve as a vessel, however. The object must be specifically crafted to retain the arcane power, while simultaneously serving as a conduit for its use. The proper use of both geometry and material is required to achieve this effect. The following pages are filled with hand-drawn diagrams of different items, a staff of knotted wood, a leather-bound tome framed in metal, a hand-woven cloak with an intricately stitched pattern. Each one shows the items being assembled, along with what appears to be a sort of current running through them. The designs all appear specifically created to circulate, reflect, or otherwise trap the current inside. Each one also points out some specific materials. The first bough of an oak where blood was spilled. The alloy of five parts silver, one part copper. Although it doesn't seem to be a complete inventory of what's needed to construct the objects in question. And that's it. Okay, very useful. I think my next question would be, what characteristics of the key are kind of the deal breakers that make it the key? For example, like an old bottle of wine, what the cork is made out of obviously gives it away, things like that. Looking over these notes and looking over the key and sort of how the diagrams work, I think you get a sense for how this thing was crafted. The key is sort of designed with all of these different 
curvatures, these very ornate swirls, and they all sort of center around a core point, which is where the actual key extends. You also know that it's inscribed with a series of sigils, the same ones that are burned into JR's palm, that glow when it's activated. And so you don't necessarily know what the sigils mean or what they do, but you can see them and you could recreate them. Okay. That is very useful information. I know that we're not at this stage yet, but I'd just like to throw in a proposal that given that I am an artist by trade, at least I'd like to be, that I might have some, just like a little bit of an advantage in trying to essentially create a forgery in that like I have the basics of of art knowledge to be (laughs) able to actually design this out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Interesting. We'll see if we, when we get to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like a plus one or something, you know, just, just throwing that out there. Just an idea. Uh, okay. So I relay all of this information to the lovely group. Excellent. Oh. Ah. Ooh. <laughs> Y'all are so well, be- so well trained. <laughs> wow. Information. So you all sort of understand now how the big magic mechanics work. You'll need to all sort of play a part here in in creating this duplicate key, which will probably take several days Mm -hmm. to complete. And as we see the three of you formulating your plan to accomplish this, we fade away from the studio. So, Constance, you have some work that needs to be done at the studio, in your workshop specifically. Stan, at your behest, has offered to help build this replicate key. And you also, I think, shortly after the showdown with the Ur-Spider, received a follow-up message from your father, requesting that dinner that you promised. He has a few questions. So, I don't know if you'd like to do the workshop time first, or your family first, but I know those are sort of the two interlude activities that we discussed. Yeah, I think Constance wouldn't really be able to just go on her merry day without, or merry way, I should say, without doing the key. That's kind of most important right now. So I that would come first. Okay. As I mentioned, we're not going to roll for the key until Alvin hands it over, just yeah. because you don't really know how successful your efforts are going to be. But you and Stan do some tests to work on the material and the specific geometry of this item, and you set to work foraging a replica. You would also, if I recall, mention that you wanted to do some personal workshopping. <laughs> oh, you know I do. I would like to create basically a, a very, very custom phone case. Imagine like the most steampunk phone case you've ever seen. <laughs> and you're you're like, oh, she definitely got this on Etsy or at Urban Craft Uprising. No, she built it. Exactly. I make sure to tell everyone that when they ask. Well, once I finish it, of course, I'm fantasizing about this future version of myself. <laughs> so on the back, there's like a little glass like window that you can pop out. It's almost like a ship window. And when you pop it open, in there is this little, little pocket, essentially. And what I am putting in there is a, (laughs) it would be basically like a powder that essentially makes people suggestible. And it would be imbued with magic to do this, or it could just be a drug found in the world. This would kind of help Constance and the team out in those Sticky situations where they definitely need to persuade someone to help them. And as we've shown, we're not very good at that. So that is what I would like to craft in my personal time. You can definitely make a, what I'm going to call spy phone. Yes. That is is wholly within your power. And I don't even think you need to roll for it, actually. Ooh. However, the magic powder is going to be something that I think you will likely have to acquire. If it is magical... You would probably need JR's help. If it is a sort of mundane drug, I think you would probably need to go to some sort of medical supplier, which I think would likely be Cecilia. Huh. Okay. Well, I feel bad 
bugging JR right now because JR's busy with others. You should. <laughs> well, because JR's busy, busy trying to do something way more important. You don't actually need to decide now. You can construct this item and, and sort of work it out later. But if you want to build it, you're more than welcome to. Okay, sure. Okay. So you spend the next couple days. I think Stan is taking the lead on the key and is tutoring you as you're taking the lead on building this spy phone case. When it comes to the actual sigils that are being inscribed, he definitely turns it over to you and your sort of artistic prowess. But after several days of work, both items are complete. You have a reasonable facsimile, at least in appearance, of JR's key, and you have a steampunk spy phone case with a compartment for a powdered substance of some variety. And if not, I'll just put hair ties in there. And that's also useful. There you go. <laughs> that is a very good use for that. It's a win-win-win. Yeah. It really is. I'm very excited. I'm mentioning it to everyone who asks. <laughs> <laughs> How do you deal with your father? <laughs> so I look at my calendar and having not really been in the world and been in the monster world for quite a while, I've lost track of time and realized that I'm actually supposed to be at a gallery opening tonight. A family friend who owns a couple of spaces and is opening this new gallery. He let me put up two of my pieces at the show, which incidentally I need to actually send him because I haven't done that yet. Um, but I've been tutoring his son for history and this is kind of his way of being nice to me with my artistic dreams, but also paying me less than he should for mm -hmm. my tutoring. Ah, uh, yes. Capitalism. Yeah, 100%. But for me, it's like, I don't care about the money because I get to say that I've technically been in a gallery opening. There you go. Yeah. So so anyway, so I kind of see that and I go, okay, it's not dinner, but I think it's as good of a place as any. And I look around my apartment and I notice the painting with the orbs. Okay, I have an idea. And I call up my dad. Constantina, my darling, how are you? Hey, Dad. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Work has been interesting. Are you... F did could we possibly arrange some time to have dinner soon? I have some questions. I'm sure you do. I actually have a better idea. How about we go to David's gallery opening tonight? You know I have two pieces showing. Constance, my darling, that's this is wonderful. This isn't your first show, is it? It's your first opening, though. Yeah, you know, you have to define show. Everyone has a different definition, so. Um, Congratulations, but, my dear. This thank is wonderful. You. Thank you. Uh, would you mind asking mom if she'll come, too? Of course. I, she would not miss it for the world. Great, and I promise we'll get through all your questions. Oh, yes, yes, but this, I'm so proud of you, my dear. Thank you, I'll, uh, <laughs> you know what? I'll keep it a secret which pieces I'm, I'm submitting, so you'll, you'll oh, see my. when you get there. Wonderful. I will see you tonight, my dear. I'll see you there. So tell us a little bit about this gallery opening. So this is the industrial chic side of Firmament. So it's some of the... So like two blocks from your studio? Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, my neighborhood, more or less. Uh, so it's really easy to schlep over my paintings, which is great. But it's an old factory that I think probably produced skis and other equipment for a while. But now is just each place is its own events loft. So none of them are actually, you know, any residents or anything like that. But like Instagrammers rent them out and all sorts of parties happen there. And one of them has become a gallery space. Are you the only artist? Are you the feature artist? Are you one of a handful? What's the situation? <laughs> uh, my name isn't even on the bill. This, <laughs> God. Um, I try to give you an opportunity I to have know. Constance take a step up in her artistic career and you just... <laughs> You just slam it back down into the ground. <laughs> she hasn't reached her full potential yet, so okay, she's right, got time. Fair. Um, no, okay, she's 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 not on the front cover of the bill. She's inside. She she like if you open it and read okay, through okay. the whole, yeah. But she she doesn't have top billing. Let's say that um, because she only has two pieces showing. Gotcha. So you roll in 
you have a, a little setup in in the corner, I think, probably, since we've established this isn't your your breakout hit. And uh, you go ahead and get your painting set up. And not too long after, your parents arrive. Magda and Victor. Hey, over here! Over here! Constantina! Oh, look at this. What? Okay. What is it? No, wait. No, wait. No, wait. You know I can't tell you. Mm. <laughs> now, I mentioned what one of the paintings is. I know what the other one is. Would you like me to describe it? So, yeah, describe the paintings that you have. The first painting I brought is the orb painting, which to anyone who is unfamiliar with, it definitely just feels like very excited, kind of frantic abstract art. And I'd like to say that quite a few of the other artists in the space have complimented me on it and said that it looked really great. I think all of the artists here are amazing. And so when they compliment and appreciate my work, I'm, you know, I'm a little awestruck. Yeah. But the other one is three jaggedy circles. So they're not perfect circles. And they're sitting on what looks like a plate, but the plate itself it looks like it's shifting, like it's phasing in and out of reality. And then behind the plate, this is like a top-down view if you were to see an overhead view of, of a table. But the plate is not sitting on a table. It's sitting on top of a globe. And the part of the globe that it is sitting on is Romania. And that is the second painting. So Victor looks at it and he looks intensely focused. And he says... I'm sensing a commentary about the role that food plays in globalization and trying to retain your identity while simultaneously being exposed to the world. Every time, Dad. How do you just get it? Every time. It's amazing. Ah. Art recognizes art, my dear. <laughs> it does indeed. I'm and I give him a hug and I'm just so happy that he got it and I secretly think to myself like that it's also the three of us, but I don't tell him that because that's just for me. <laughs> Aw. Mm -hmm. And he steps over to the other painting of the orbs in the window. This is a striking one, my dear. Very different from most that you paint. I mean, the style is yours, but the content seems... Hmm. There's so much chaos here. Yeah. I'm getting the interconnectedness of things. You know, I was thinking the same thing. And Victor just kind of stands there staring at the painting of the ring and the orbs. <clears throat> Constantina? Yes? It is good to see you again, my dear. Yes, yes it is. I'm sorry. It's. I know it's been too long since I. we last well, spoke. Congratulations on your gallery opening here. It is good to see you gaining some success in your career. Thank you. You know, I wanted us to come here because dinner is so static. You're just sitting and you don't you don't really get the space to process. You're kind of trapped at a table. So I thought it would be nice for us to come out and for you to see that I'm doing well. And I was hoping that we could take advantage of this little corner here and catch up properly. Very well, my dear. What would you like to speak about? I don't want to put dad on the spot here, but I don't know if he told you about the last time him and I talked. And I look at my dad. <laughs> oh, sorry, my dear. I was distracted. <laughs> huh. Yes, I, I did mean to ask you. When I returned the next morning, they said there had been a break-in of some kind. There was flour everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> all the computers were unplugged. All the tables were upturned. Did you know about this? Was this some sort of performance art that you were doing? You know, I really, really, really wish the answer was yes and that I was just that inconsiderate. But that's actually what I wanted to talk to you both about. As you know, Boonie left me quite a tome of books. Magda's eyes narrow. <laughs> yeah, I assume as much. I kind <clears> of <throat> like... Victor, would you mind getting us a little bit of Chardonnay, please? Oh, yes, of course, my dear. And your father steps away. 
I look at my mom a little frustrated. Okay. You know, your father worries enough about you without him having to be concerned about whatever strange interactions you're having. Okay. Well, I'm not here to, to put you on blast, Mom. With Dad, I don't know what he does or doesn't know. But I just need you to hear me for a second. I'm in listening the last, to you. Okay. In the last couple of months, I have been reading what Booney has left me. I have been experiencing a lot of the things that she wrote about. And for a long time, I had put those away as bedtime fairy tale stories. But I think we both know that's not the case. I understand that this is not the world that you want to live in. And maybe not even the world that you're willing to appreciate exists right now. But, and I point to the painting of the orbs. I'm already in the thick of it. I didn't make this painting up. It was put into my head. I need to know a lot more about what's going on in this town and how our family is connected to it if I'm going to make it out of this alive. And before I'm before you say anything else, I need to know about my aunt. Your aunt? Yes. And I kind of look at her and do the pause. I'm not giving her an inch. This one's on her. Who told you? Or was it written down in one of your Boonie's books? Nope. Fine. Her name was Georgiana. She was my sister. She passed away when we were young, before we immigrated from Romania. Okay. What if I told you that Boonie told me? <laughs> After she died. Are you quite well, dear? I'm perfectly fine. I can tell you right now the vivid memory that she put into my head of the night in the dark with Buni and Bunalu looking for Georgiana. I can tell you quite a few memories. Fine, fine, like fine, that. fine, fine. Georgiana and I were sisters. She was a year younger than me. But she grew up faster than I did, so it was like we were practically twins. We couldn't have been more different. Georgiana was creative and outgoing and adventurous. She always made up games to play with the kids in our neighborhood. I was reserved and introspective, more interested in reading books than playing with other children. Despite our differences, we were absolutely inseparable. Every day, she would teach me the latest game she invented, and I would tell her the latest story that I read the night before. I don't remember when we learned about your Boonie and Bunello. I don't remember if it was the conversation they had after they thought we'd gone to sleep, or if it was one of your Boonie's books filled with illustrations of nightmarish beasts, or all the wicked blades hidden in the tool shed out back. In the end, it doesn't matter. All it matters is that we found out. Georgiana found out. I remember that I wanted no part in what they were doing. We were old enough to be in school, so I focused on my studies. But of course, Georgiana did the opposite. She became obsessed with learning more, constantly searching for clues and eavesdropping on their conversations. She stayed up late, waiting for one or both of them to leave in the night and return in hopes of catching some glimpse of their clandestine activities. Eventually, one night, Georgiana decided to follow them. I told her not to. I begged. But she wouldn't take no for an answer. It was one of the nights they'd both left, so there was no one watching us. She grabbed a big knife from the kitchen, put on her big winter coat, and strode out into the darkness. And she never came back. The next morning, Bunella went to look for her, but he returned empty-handed. Booney went the next night and they kept trading off, afraid to leave me alone. They never found her. It was a month before they held the funeral. Brunello wouldn't allow it any earlier. He said she was still out there somewhere. I heard them fight. It wasn't much longer before he disappeared too. And we left and moved here. I don't know about your painting and your strange insights, I don't know about your boonie speaking to you from beyond the grave, but that's 
your aunt. That's Georgiana. I put a hand on my mom's shoulder and kind of gauge her reaction to that. She's looking away, but she doesn't take her hand away. And I go in and I just give her a long hug. She wraps her arms around you and embraces you tightly. Hello everyone, Quinn here. Thanks so much for tuning in to episode 23 of Monster Hour. This is hands down my favorite episode that we have recorded to date, so I'm going to keep this short and sweet and get you right back to it. As always, a huge thank you to everyone who's been spreading the good word of Monster Hour by leaving us a rating and review, recommending us to a friend, or giving us a shout out on social media. It really is the best way to help new folks find out about the show, and darn it all if the real monster isn't how much we love seeing our family of fans grow. Don't forget that if you tweet about the show using hashtag MonsterHourPod, you might wind up with a character named after you. We're getting ready to start a new arc here, which means plenty of new folks for our heroes to save, offend, and or terrorize. Our spooky spotlight this week is Top of the Round, a tale of dark fantasy where the mysteries run as deep as the lore. Hey guys, my name's Kenan. I'm the Dungeon Master of Top of the Round. We are an original and fully produced sandbox-style D&D 5e actual play podcast that prioritizes roleplay and storytelling. Come with us to Ishnar, a dark world filled with secrets, history, and lore. Wait, are people listening to us? Hi, people. Where are the people? I don't know. I don't see them. I don't see them either. People. Where are they? Oh my god, we have to find them. My crossbow is ready. Are you sure we need to find these people? Or will they find us? Show yourselves. I'm not sure how I know this, but you can find us where you find podcasts, whatever those are. Mondays. What day is it? Don't know. That's it for me, folks. Monster Hour will return with the start of our fourth mystery on May 5th. See you then. JR, you have a few days of downtime before the key, the replica, is fabricated to mm-hmm. work your magic on, literally and figuratively. We talked about this. You would like to follow up with the young Leon Williams, is that correct? I would. I'd like to see what Boy Wonder's sidekick is up to. I think you, like Alvin, and probably Constance as well, received a text a few days after the incident with the Ur Spider mm-hmm. from Leon, apologizing for his absence and saying, I think to you he just said he was indisposed, or actually more likely that he was on daylight society business but Mm -hmm. he's back in communication now so what do you say to him i probably text that i want to meet up with him chat about our most recent endeavors and i think it's gonna be somewhere like i'm not gonna take him to the prospector because that is not necessarily neutral territory um Oh, the I know moonscape. what a good place would be. Well, I was going to say the moonscape. No, no, no. no. Um, I think maybe like the place where I met up with Stony, the lookout spot. Oh, up on Cathedral Peak? Yeah, yeah, because that's like okay. far away. And yeah, I think that would be a good place to meet up with. Okay. With I don't remember if we named the specific hike, but it's one of the trails on Cathedral Peak. So yeah. you make your way, you board the Skyway gondola. Last time you Whee! drove all the way around, actually. Do you do that again? I do, with my new-to-me vehicle. Ah, yes, you leveled up. I did Uh level up. Would you like me to tell you a little bit about... Yeah, yeah, so just real quick for our listeners, I leveled up, and one of my things that I can do is take another crooked move, and so I have taken the move Driver... I now have ah. Ah. Ooh. Ooh. Ooh, ah. I have plus one <laughs> ongoing while driving. Plus I can hotwire anything. The older it is, the fewer tools I will need to do it. Normally in the playbook you get two cars. That doesn't really make a whole lot of sense for what we're doing. There's no need for two vehicles really. So I have acquired an older model Subaru Outback. Unmarked black SUV. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yes, I I now have an SUV. So I drive Great. it up to meet Leon. So be very helpful the next time you need to hotwire a car, which comes up 
somewhat more regularly often. for your character. <laughs> yes, and I've been wanting to do it. And the first time I screwed it up and it didn't work, and the second time I didn't chance it, but now I can. Yes, you've spent some time practicing, watching some tutorials on YouTube. Did you practice Constance's on Constance's car? ignition is so <laughs> fucked up now. It's so <laughs> fucked up. Like, she's got to stick the gin and, like, really wiggle it around. And, like, oh, it's real bad. My it's apartment, bad. my car. <laughs> How did what this is happen? Left? How did this happen? <laughs> oh, that's a mystery. <laughs> I don't know. Must have been the tall man. <laughs> oh, it's the tall man. <laughs> Just going to blame everything on the tall man now. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So you arrive at Cathedral Peak and you make mm-hmm. your way. It's not a hike. It's just a short walk to the lookout. Yeah. Leon is not there. He arrives 30, 40 minutes later, as he is wont to do. Mm-hmm. But he walks up and- uh, He is by himself, right? There's no Dorian in tow. Is there- No. Dorian <laughs> is not there. Galvan is not there. He is by himself. Good. Okay. Strides up. says, hey, JR, how's it going? You know- it's going all right, boy. Wonder. Thanks for meeting me. I'm sorry I missed this whole situation with this spider. I'd love to. I mean, if you are willing to talk about it, I'd love to hear a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, you're not recording this, are you, Leon? Uh, no. Okay. Why yeah, would I? I I give him the barest details of the spider. Okay. And then you know, uh, Leon, we really could have. You know, we could have used your help. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. I, You all are better at doing the actual fighting than I am. I'm really trying to figure out where they're coming from and, you know, what is going on with Alvin and I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm working on the big picture stuff. Yeah, yeah. What kind of stuff are you up to? What's, um, what, what, what you got your nose stuck in? These I've been trying to get into the into the laboratory, you know, I've been trying to figure out, you know, what all the monsters have in common. You know, that's that sort of stuff. Following anybody? He looks at you. I look at him. <laughs> I do not break eye contact. I make uncomfortable eye contact with him. Yeah, he's staring you down right back and says, Was it Alvin or Constance? Does it matter? Just curious. You're falling stony, weren't you? Yeah. You learned anything interesting? I did. You gonna share it with us? Yeah. Go on then. Share he away. Opens up his messenger bag and pulls out a manila envelope and hands it to you. Should should I open this now or should I like take it back and should I Okay, well, I'm gonna I'll open it. I mean it. I feel I'll like there it. would be yeah. some I feel like there would be more resolution if you opened it now, but like if you want to yeah, do let's, it, let's a, I'll open it privacy now. Okay. of your own home. All right, all right. Let <laughs> you me, know yeah, that sort I'll... of thing. I'm not going to pressure you, Jr. Thank you. I'll call you later. <laughs> I never open the envelope. It is never spoken of again. No. <laughs> is this the only copy? I burn it. <laughs> oh fuck! <laughs> I mean, no, it's not the only copy. Of course not. <laughs> Okay, like, I now have to break my uncomfortable eye contact with Leon to open this up. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, fuck. Oh, shit. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so scared. This is me. This is not JR. JR is not scared. Uh, yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> Just making sure. Bang but is, is JR a little scared? I mean, she's apprehensive. This is like, okay. you know. This ain't the first manila envelope. Now. It's not yeah, an envelope hardly. full of the, glitter. It's not uh, the first envelope JR's encountered. <laughs> yes. What is this thing? How do I get inside? I don't know how to open it. No, it's, yeah, I open it. I open it. Inside the envelope mm-hmm. is a series of high-definition photographs. Okay. They are pictures of the Skyway gondola sometime after dusk. As you look through them, you can clearly see Stoney approaching and boarding one of the trams. And there are four other people inside. You recognize one of them immediately as Mayor Ravenna Chamberlain. The others include a portly man with a robust beard, a severe-looking woman with dark features, and a very skinny man in his early 30s. The photos show them standing in silence, as the tram lifts away from the ground, but in the last picture before it disappears into the darkness over the river, 
you can see all five of them engaged in what appears to be a gravely serious conversation. Do you know who those people are? That's Mayor Chamberlain. That, and he points to the portly man, is Jorgen Eklund. He's the publisher of the Firmament Daily Herald. And these two, he points to the others, are scientists at the Colorado National Laboratory. That's Augie Vall, and that's Magda Rodescu. Don't we know Augie somehow? We met Augie before. When we walked past the lab to go to the mine. He's the one answered the phone. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that was Augie. Got it. Huh. When was this taken? Five days ago. All right. Well, thank you, Leon. I appreciate your candor and sharing this with me. I would also appreciate if you learn anything else. I would like to know about it. You will. I know that I can't expect you to not share it with the Daylight Society, but I'd appreciate it if you shared it with me first. I can do that. I would appreciate it if you don't share this with the Chief. Can I share it with Constance and Alvin? Of course. That's fair. I can't promise that I won't ever share it with Stoney, but I am not going to go share it with him now. Thank you. Just until we get to the bottom of whatever this, and he nods to the picture of them engaged in conversation, is, perhaps Mm -hmm. we don't tell him everything. Yeah. Thanks, Leon. Of course. And I'm sorry, JR. (sighs) People let you down in the end, every single one of them. Why do you think I've been on my own for so long? I mean, you're not on your own. You have us. It's a couple days later, Alvin. You and Constance and JR are back in the studio. The replica of the key is done. Yes. The metal's been foraged, the sigil's etched, and the magic cast. It's as ready as it will ever be. What do you do? Yeah, I think he's been just kind of thinking about the encounter and what might go down. I don't think he's really come up with a much better idea than just give it to the tall man and hope it all works out. (laughs) (laughs) He's kind of just lived on instinct for most of his life anyways. So I, I think he kind of figures that like, this is a good plan. He's got his good friends working on it. They're good at what they do. And so this is going to work. What are you doing to pass the time? I think he's he spends most of his time at Constance's apartment, trying to be helpful, mostly being in the way. So just kind of sitting on the couch watching. <laughs> I think he's got the note from the tall man. Anything that the tall man had given him and he's just reading it over and over again. I think it's just the one letter and the piece of chalk. Yeah, he's reading that. He might spend some time trying to browse books in Constance's library without entirely comprehending <laughs> what he's reading. But he's he's trying real hard to be useful Okay. in the plan that he has set in motion. You spend a long, anxious several days just waiting, trying to help. He's running for coffee. Also trying to keep He's, yourself you know, occupied. Making yeah. lunch and things. And at last, it's ready. Ta-da! Do you draw the mark on Constance's door, or do you go back to your apartment? Or do you go somewhere else? I think he goes and draws it on, on his apartment door with the idea that He's trying to keep this as honest to what the tall man asked for and what the tall man might expect, which would be Alvin would keep this to himself. He would get the key. He'd go home. He'd draw the circle on the door he was instructed to draw it on. Nothing happens when you draw the circle on your door. But the next morning, there's an envelope at your doorstep, and it's a set of coordinates for somewhere in the moonscape. Mm -hmm. He uh, puts a pin on his phone. Okay. But he does let his friends know. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't go like, thank you for the key. Goodbye. 
<laughs> yeah. No, you you fill them all in on the plan. Mm-hmm. We may not want to do a, a scene about it either, but I think he he tries to get a hold of Leon as well. Yeah, uh, I think you definitely connect with Leon. Leon's been trying to help him out. He fills Leon in, tells him he's he's also trying to find out why he is the way he is. Got in some some sticky business in the process. He offers to help. He offers to go out to the moonscape with you to rally the members of the Daylight Society, whatever he can do. He will try to acquire a flare gun. <laughs> okay. And he will instruct Leon and his friends to stay at the parking lot of the moonscape. Okay. I think Jasper has a flare gun that he lends to you. Are you asking JR and Constance to be at the ready as well? Yeah, I think they may also be interested to know the result of their work. Yeah. Yeah, and so they, the convoy rolls out to the moonscape. You make your way out in the early hours of the morning. I imagine you got up pretty early if you mm-hmm. slept at all. Not at all. You arrive at the moonscape. Constance and JR, I assume you're there as well. Yep. Mm-hmm. Leon is there, as is Jasper, uh, although Cecilia is not. Detective Galvan is there, still on her crutches, but packing her sidearm. And one or two other new members are also there. Alvin steps out of the out of JR's Subaru Outback. In one hand, he's got the replica key. Uh, in the other one, he pockets uh, Jasper's flare gun. And he kind of just stands in front of everybody and says, I want you all to know how, how thankful I am for y- your help. Sarah's... Kind of some of the only family I really have left, and I'm just happy that I'm not dealing with this alone. If all goes well, uh, we'll both see you right here pretty soon. Uh, if it doesn't, you'll see this go off. And he holds up the flare gun. And if you wouldn't mind, please come running. <laughs> we'll be there. And Leon puts a hand on your shoulder and then... Leans in and just gives you a big hug. Yeah, big hug. And I think everybody watches as you head out into the Badlands. I flip on share location with, with Constance. <laughs> I share with JR, but I don't think your phone supports me. It does not. <laughs> Probably it not. It does yeah. not. No. Good call. Alvin, you've seen the moonscape at all hours. Mm-hmm. In all seasons. But it's never felt emptier than the moment that you walk inside. The location you've been sent is not the one from their first meeting with the tall man. It's not where you found Sarah's phone. It's a new spot, deeper inside. A small bowl that just drops from a flat plateau. And as you approach, you can clearly see him standing there. Hands in pockets, I walk up to about 20 feet. Master Hughes... Where is she? Who? Where is she? Oh, yes, Sarah. She's around. Show me. Well, she's not here. I don't know where she is right now. I don't believe that. That's fine. All I did was share a little information with her. How do I know she's okay? Well, you don't. But it would throw a real wrench in our agreement if I did something untoward to your sister. I simply was afraid you were in need of a little bit of extra inspiration to uphold our bargain. As far as I see it, I haven't learned anything about my condition either. So we've both been procrastinating. Well, the terms of the deal were I know quite the simple. terms. Do you have it? Yeah. May I see it? And I just hold it up and twiddle it in my fingers. His eyes light up in a deeply unsettling way. Funny thing about this key, you know? It's real fragile. Hmm. You'll find your sister where you had your breakdown. Tell me why I am a coyote. The key fest. How do I know you're not just going to leave? We made a pact. I always uphold my end of the bargain. You've already added clauses to that pact? Sidebars, corollaries, 
little extra incentive. Core terms are written in blood. Yeah, is this gonna stain this ring, or does that go away? That'll go away as soon as our pact is fulfilled. Come now, let's finish this. Alvin shrugs and tosses the key. As the key is flying through the air, we flash back to Constance in the workshop. Constance, roll me weird science. Oh boy. That's an 11. Yes. Nice. All right. Nice. Yes. Nice. It looks yes. like a key. Yeah, Constance. <laughs> <laughs> On a 10 plus for weird science, you pick one requirement from the list. It needs a rare and or weird material. It won't be very reliable. It requires huge amounts of power or fuel. It will take a long time to get working, or it won't work exactly as you intended. Just as a reminder for your workshop, you always have to uh, have help beyond the team of hunters to finish it, so that's not an option for you here. Mm -hmm. And I think based on the narrative that we've established, it can't be, it will take a long time to get working. Right, mm -hmm. because... Yeah. It has been. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, I'll do the, it requires a lot of juice. We flash back to you and Stan toiling away at this key, intricately shaping the curls to match the exact specifications, trying to make sure that the sigils are perfectly replicated and it's very good, but it's not exact. Some of the curls are not quite the same curvature. JR, this is going to take more power than usual. It's okay. going to take more magic to get this working. You're going to have a minus one on your roll to use magic. Why would you do that to me, Gwen? That's an eight. On a seven to nine for use magic, there is a glitch. So you choose the glitch and I choose what effect it has. I'll take one harm. That's fine. I think that actually makes a lot of narrative sense. As you're working this, as you're trying to share some shadow of this key's power with the replica, you can feel this hungry vessel, and the key's power isn't enough. It takes part of you. You cool. take one harm. That's, yeah. But okay. yeah, it's the fine. sensation will stay with you for much longer. The sensation of something hungry. We see the key in its arc through the air fall into the hand of the tall man, far, far outstretched from his body. And he reels it back in. And that glimmer in his eyes intensifies. He looks at you, Alvin, and smiles a broad, beaming smile. Now tell me. You've got the key. Tell me. This world used to be full of magic. You couldn't turn a corner, you couldn't snap your fingers. And it was all in the hands of humans. It bent to their will. It did as they pleased. When they said jump, it said how high. Sometimes it would even take shape, take form, take a consciousness. That magic incarnated is how things like you and I came to be. Of course, humans couldn't be trusted with magic, you know how they are, with their jealousy and their rage and their hubris. It didn't take long for magic to sow chaos and destruction. When humans wanted a servant to do their bidding, magic made it for them. When they wanted to inflict wrath on their enemies, it created us. Eventually, 
got so bad that they had to get rid of it. Had to seal it away. Of course, that became a bit of a problem for those of us that were made of it. We had to go underground. We had to scrap and scrape just to get by. The more noble of the magical servants sided with the humans. They felt that magic was too dangerous, not just for humans, but for the incarnates as well. Those creatures, those beings that participated, they were known as the Guardians. They watched over the seals, ensuring that no one would break them, that magic would not wreak havoc once again on the world. They helped with the deed, not knowing it would be their undoing. They're all gone now. Though a handful of their progeny remain. Descendants of those that took well enough to the human life. Farewell, little guardian. And with those words, he disappears as does the circle on your palm.